0: Welcome to 2021, where the new year is a lot like the old year. January 20th can't come soon enough and I'm Canadian, but hey, we're not here to talk about politics. We're here to talk about lost treasure and houses with chicken feet. Nathan will be kicking us off with Baba Yaga, your Slavic unconventional god witch mother, and Hallie will take us on the cursed hunt for the lost Dutchman's gold mine. As always, foul language abound, and get ready for another human exception. All right, so this is going to be coming out in the new year. Ooh! This, this will be our first episode of the new year. So happy New Year! Twenty twenty one, you know, it's still the old year right now.
1: Uh oh, <laughs> don't be a trash fire like twenty twenty.
0: Please. Um, I do have some good news. Oh, we've reached a hundred downloads! Yay.
2: Oh, Hell yeah! Thank you, Woo. random internet people who get, we don't know.
1: Get out the. <laughs> confetti cannon we are
0: at 110 downloads as of today so thank y'all
1: yes
0: (laughs) and thank y'all for breaking the bandwidth on our website and making me uprooted
2: (laughs) yeah y'all motherfuckers made us spend money or kayla spend money (laughs) (laughs) oh
1: my god but
0: yeah someone out there is paying attention and i don't know who you are but we appreciate you
1: (laughs) Probably someone, I've had this thought, I'm like, I wonder if, if it eventually gets back to some of the people who are alive whom we've picked on, <laughs> aka me. Teal and I Swan is su- after
0: you, the teal yeah. tribe's coming.
2: Oh no. Please don't
1: sue me. It was all sourced from her crazy ass website, so, <laughs> you know. And I have the screenshots to prove it, so bite me.
2: Receipts. Get those receipts.
1: <laughs> oh Alright, so
0: who is first assignment? Is it Nathan? Uh, I think ah, it is. I think
1: so. I think it's you, oh, buddy. Sweet. sweet. <laughs> I thought he was gonna say, oh shit. No,
2: no, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. <laughs> this is uh this Dang. is good. So I'm gonna be dabbling in some more uh weird eastern european folklore slavic folk folklore actually we're gonna talk about baba yaga (laughs) um heck yeah chicken feet feet (laughs) (laughs) i i love this character like Anytime there is a game or some sort of story or whatever that uses this lore, I'm always like, yep, I'm in. Fucking give me more. Just, I want to know more. Uh, So I figured that it was about time that I probably figured out more about it myself. We were playing a couple of games. Actually, I was just playing... Uh, Rise of the Tomb Raider, and one of the DLC content was kind of around Baba Yaga, and I was like, I really don't know much at all about this character, except for the fact that I get really excited for the premise of this old witch that has this weird fucking shack on chicken legs. So (laughs) here we are, I guess. Um, Interestingly enough, uh, so Baba Yaga is considered the Slavic wicked witch of their folklore. She, again, kind of like the, uh, like Gryla and her family is a, an ogress. Now, I'm starting to think that the the idea of an ogress is not necessarily like this, m- might not necessarily be like this giant thing living up in the mountains, but might just be like some really haggard, ugly person.
0: I'm wondering if it's coming from Nordic folklore because, you know, you've got your Jotun giants, yeah. right? And that's really common you know, common a lot of that folklore. And there's a lot of those cultures come from that, right? So it could be spun off from yeah. that.
1: That would make sense. So you're telling me that I absolutely need to go get all of <laughs> all of my Scandinavian friends to give us. Yes. Oh, and Kelly Kelly had said that too. And Nathan, you've met yeah. Kelly, um, but his sister uh, is a like a folklore expert.
2: Ooh, that's cool. Slavic folklore Iceland,
1: party, and particularly horror folklore.
2: <sighs> yes,
0: <laughs> I love it. So,
1: <laughs> Anyways, we have we're gonna have to do a whole spinoff. And if you don't know what the frig we're talking about, you missed last episode. So go back, go yeah. back, go, do yourself a favor,
2: <laughs> go enjoy some Christmas cheer
1: <laughs> and giant cats
2: <laughs> and giant cats. <laughs> uh, so, interestingly enough, um, the term Baba Yaga is is a isn't like completely understood. Uh, but it's believed that the word Baba is something close to, like, old woman or grandmother. Um, while Yaga is... has a couple of different theories around it, either meaning anywhere ranging from snake to wicked. So, like... That's bad, a broad range. <laughs> yeah, right? Bad grandma? Either way, it just sort of emphasizes the fact that this is just some really, really, really weird lady. Um, and everything that we've known from, uh, from seeing her, um, or are familiar with generally what we see of Baba Yaga is either, uh, is generally just one old woman, like riding around in a mortar. Um, and oftentimes disappearing, uh, as her giant house disappear, uh, gets up on its legs and, and runs off into the, into the forest. Uh, oddly enough, there are a couple of different renditions of Baba Yaga. She's either told as one old woman or a trio of old sisters. Um, Ooh. Yeah, uh, this one this one was new to me. I didn't know that. Um, but they're always depicted as like very skinny, very um like malnourished and in in all places, even though she's sort of a witch, uh, again, she's never riding a broom, but always flying around in like a mortar and wielding the pestle as like a flying aid and a wand. So it's kind of like her directional uh situation as she flies through the air most of the most of the tales and most of everything of people running into her uh always happen within her hut all of the interactions all of the deals that people make with her they're always within her hut um and her hut is always surrounded by a fence made of human bones one of the one of the interesting things is when people come in to the house she's always cooking over her stove or over a enormous pot which just takes up the whole the whole room um so really like they're having this discussion from one side of the hut to the other and i guess in in folklore, this is more of a a telling of like her immense power, the, the just like the sheer size of her cooking pot and her mastery over it. Uh, and obviously, you know, if you make a deal with her and you fail, well, she's going to eat you. Um, obviously the amount of people that she's eaten, uh, still hasn't given her any sort of, um, extra meat on those bones because regardless of how many people she's eaten, regardless of how many defenses she can make, she's still very skinny and bony. So sad. (laughs) So one of the, one of the interesting things I, I found about this was that, We always sort of see her um, portrayed in like a villainous light. She's always kind of showing up and wrecking things. But apparently she was more of a, like an evil fairy godmother, I guess. Maybe evil is the wrong word. Uh, Unconventional. She was an unconventional (laughs) fairy godmother. (laughs) Because... She never went after anyone unprovoked. Any person that fell into her, quote, quote, traps or, or died because of the, her, her deals, they always went to her. Also, in any of the stories where the, quote, quote, hero went to her and asked her for help, if the tasks were completed... She always kept her word, and no harm came to the hero. So that actually brought me to this story of Vasilisa the Beautiful. Uh, It's a very Cinderella-like type, uh, sorry, like character, where, uh, with a magical doll. Uh, This person's mother died, the father remarried a horrible woman, with equally unkind daughters. Uh, Then the new father goes away for a trip. The stepmother sells their house and moves her and the three girls into a cottage in the woods, uh, basically giving the daughters these impossible tasks to complete by candlelight. Uh, And then eventually Vasilisa ventures out of the house at the demand of her stepsisters to find more light, uh, she encounters Baba Yaga, who presents even more difficult chores in exchange for a fire to take back to her home for the family. Uh, so with the aid of this doll, this magic doll that Vasilisa had with her, she completes all of the tasks and is given a fire in a skull lantern. <laughs>
0: That aesthetic.
2: Which incinerates her horrible family as soon as she gets home. Essentially freeing Vasilisa from her I guess indentured labor from her evil stepmom and stepsisters. Uh, So basically after that She goes home, back to her original home, and then ends up marrying the Tsar of Russia and (laughs) lives happily ever after. Oh, Uh, my God. Yeah. As you do. As you do.
1: Wow. That Uh, got so dark. (laughs) Right?
2: Uh, So this this is the picture of Vasilisa and the skull lantern, which is actually really quite awesome
0: mm mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's great i love yeah that. Oh it's gosh. so
2: cool yeah uh so uh the interesting thing about baba yaga in this story is that she's kind of she's a bit of an obstacle as well as the savior of the story in that she's like well I mean, I'll do something for you, but now I've got work for you, and it's going to be just as hard or harder. Um, so I hope you can deal with it. But the the idea is that I guess it I guess it's almost likening Baba Yaga to a genie. You wish for something. And you have to be really careful for what you wish for because it could end in just the worst kind of way. Right? Um, Baba Yaga went to lengths to free Vasilisa uh, but eventually caused three painful deaths. (laughs) And then obviously Vasilisa would have been like traumatized and yeah, it would have been, like, a terrible time for her to realize that, hey, I got this light, and then suddenly this light is burning up my family. As much as you may not enjoy, you probably absolutely hate living with these people, death is probably the last thing you would have wanted. Yeah, it's so a little she... more
0: than you're bragging for.
2: Oh, absolutely, yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, Other people sort of, like, see Baba Yaga as more of, like, a Mother Earth uh kind of figure she she kind of has influence around like the natural world um in, in a lot of in some of the stories uh they don't go into too much detail around that but um there's one part of the story where baba yaga replies in a conversation that they are the the day night and sun um that each oh, are respectively controlled by her, and servants of her. Huh. Yeah,
1: I didn't know that aspect of the uh, of some of the tales. That is really interesting because it's always like, uh, well, not always. I shouldn't qualify things in that way, but it seems like a lot of the like the the earth or planet or nature. Deities or whatever you want to call them tend to be—they're like Gaia, you know—they're beautiful and the—and here's Bobby. Yes, <laughs> I take care of the woods and I ride in my house on chicken feet. Ah. <laughs> you know, it's, <laughs> it's not what you expected. I like that.
2: Yeah, and I think it's—I think it adds like an extra layer that you're kind of not expecting to it. Right. <laughs> but there's also there's also that idea that you know we. There's that saying, everyone everyone says, nature is cruel. Um, yeah. And, you know, you're not, it, nature is always pr- portrayed as this beautiful thing, like you mentioned in, in Gods and Goddesses. But, I don't know, if you were someone who was trapped out in the wilderness and being hunted by a myriad of animals or whatever, you probably wouldn't have that view of it
1: that is very true yeah if you're at its mercy
0: mm-hmm.
1: like hey you know that tree that fell down and hit fred on the head yeah that's baba yaga it's <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh so there are other uh other stories of baba yaga obviously uh peasant children showing up to uh Oh, sorry. No, my mistake. Uh, Peasant children being sent to Baba Yaga to be be rid of. So, uh, by the sounds of it, these children have been sent to her because they are unwanted. Uh, And children that wander into Baba Yaga's hut just sort of disappear. Interestingly enough, in this story, these kids manage to escape. Uh, through the help of the animals, plants, and other objects that Baba Yaga neglects.
1: <clears throat> oh, okay.
2: It's like if uh, if Lumiere and Cogsworth felt like they didn't need to help the Master anymore in Beauty and the Beast. And they're just like, we're just going to help you escape for forever. Uh, but also a black cat uh, helps them with their plan to escape. Because the kids feed him when the witch doesn't. Uh, oh. One of the gates on the fences closes uh, closes to block her from getting at the children. Um, the trees of the forest stand in her path. Uh, it's interesting because like, obviously there's that um, she controls nature. But also there's kind of that pushback. And I think the last the last part of this is, is, again, interesting because Baba Yaga's role is, again, an obstacle, like she was with Vasilisa. She probably wouldn't have bothered the kids if they hadn't first showed up to her hut or been sent to her hut. Again, she's almost like she's sort of this vindictive old lady that says, Okay, but don't come to my house. Get off my lawn. So, yeah, I... uh there's not a whole lot more that I could find on this. Uh, just some of the some of the tales, um, some of the parts that she takes in in these stories as kind of both an obstacle and a unconventional problem solver. but these are a lot of things that I didn't know. I didn't know that from time to time there were two other sisters which again weren't really touched on all that much, just that they kind of exist and Maybe they're all kind of looked at as like the three fates. I don't know. That's just my assumption on it, but yeah, that is uh, that is Baba Yaga.
1: I'm still on chicken feet house, right? That's where... <laughs> <laughs> I I love how pervasive that story in some uh, resemblance is. The witch in the woods with the the chicken leg house who maybe eats people but also maybe makes good on her debts and her deals like mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> which is so a really much...
0: weird semi-universal lore that like yes. there's so many similar threads throughout cultures it's so fascinating yeah
1: totally totally i also did not know of the the three sister thing cuz it's like yeah i had coven they're stronger together than separate so <laughs> what happens if you separate them? Then that means they don't have any power, because that's interesting.
2: Well, the the situation of the three sisters is not that they're separated, but they all live in the hut together. So, but only one of them ever venture ventures out, right? Like there's the there's the sister that goes okay. out and handles the deals. Uh, if someone were to Not complete their tasks or their end of the deal. Right. So technically, yeah, they are, they would be a hag coven and they're not separated, but uh, except for when one of them goes out, I guess. But yeah. So
1: interesting.
0: It's super
2: interesting.
1: Yeah. I love it.
2: All right. Who's next? Who we got next? Hallie.
1: It's me. Oh. So from. uh hags and witches and and uh weird things that happen in folklore i have a treasure story so there is something so interesting to me about how embedded in the kind of the landscape uh, particularly of the united states it's kind of like part of our national identity that there's hidden gold and hidden treasure and you know uh it is stuck there a little bit because we have everything from people who came to the New World in search of gold and jewels and the Fountain of Youth, which supposedly was in Florida, which, no. Um, of course it is. <laughs> it's the opposite. <laughs> it okay, seems but is like... it the
2: Fountain of Bath Salts?
1: I And crocodiles and meth. <laughs> yes, that's, you know.
2: Crocodiles they... and meths.
1: and crocodiles and meth and just oh it's a whole thing no offense to anyone who listens to this who's in florida but you know you have a crap state you know it (laughs) so from everything from those stories and those hunts for treasure So we brought our ships, our plague, our rats, our theft of native lands, and a bunch of murder, and all kinds of things. And blankets. Uh, And blankets, and along with that, we brought our love of treasure, because apparently that uh, that is what the U.S. is partially built on. Is just capitalism and treasure and awful, heinous things that we did to indigenous peoples. Um, But there have been stories about blackbeards buried booty on the coast on the eastern seaboard. Um, There have been stories of caches of Confederate gold that have been found. Mobsters who maybe buried their massive takes and who would bury money in the desert. But apparently they did outside of Las Vegas because Vegas in the 50s was... A time, apparently. Um, some of them are <laughs> true. Yeah, some of it's true. Um, and and just, just odd things that have been lost, that have been found. Uh, there was a submarine, the, the actual first successful submarine that was built and used in the Civil War, uh, was found very recently with all, I think it was, um, I want to say 15 or 17 crew members still aboard and still in their seats.
2: Oh.
0: And totally fine and alive, right? And totally
1: fine and alive, yep. <laughs> and it still hasn't been fully figured out how they died. Uh, but but the I thought thing you is, just in- said they were alive. They are, totally. Yep. <laughs> nope. Just wild things like that, that I feel are kind of intrinsic to such a young nation like the United States. So I'm actually going to bring you... Instead of all of that interesting stuff that you can Google on your own, we're going to talk about the Lost Dutchman Mine, uh, which is funny to me in a way because, Nathan, as you will recall, when we were playing West of Loathing, there was the Lost Dutch Oven Mine.
2: Yep. <laughs> yep. That was <laughs> oh my God.
1: on that. Yep. <laughs> that was where they got it. That whole game is a gem.
0: I fucking so, love that game. I
1: freaking love that game is so bananas. So this mine, people have been searching for the Lost Dutchman mine since 1982. Nope, flip that. 1892. Sorry. My brain is gone. Uh and it's actually considered to be the most famous lost mine in the US, and yet it's never been found. So if we back all the way up to earlier in the 1800s, we meet someone named Jacob Waltz. He was a German immigrant who is the, well, it's his fault. It's his fault this all got started. So we get to blame him. He was born somewhere around 1810. Again, record keeping, not super great on some of these stories, and particularly because he moved around a lot. So his early life isn't as detailed. Uh, We know he was born in Germany, he immigrated to the U.S., we think in the 1840s, but we do have his record of becoming a naturalized citizen in 1861. And then by 1864, he had already moved on to the early 1800s, mid-1800s American dream of prospecting, because there's gold in them there, Hills! So he moved out to Arizona. (laughs) Yes, we are on a gold hunt. This is... Such a, it's such an American, like, go forth, go west young man type of thing. It It's ridiculous. <laughs>
2: okay, but who wasn't looking for gold in that time?
1: That's the thing. Everyone was. That is exactly what happened. Because everyone rushed out in the 1800s to a... What they said was an uncivilized, unprospected land, and we found not much. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of gold found at the time. There were some veins found, but a lot of it was like, look, I found a pebble. And then it gets blown way out of proportion. And all of these people rush west. Um, So when he went to Arizona in 1864 to prospect, then he was reputed to have found a gold deposit near the Superstition Mountains. Um, And then he kept it on lock, like you Which is, by the
0: way, a great fucking name, Superstition Mm -hmm. Mountains.
1: (laughs) Yes. I sent you all that picture. Um, It's really beautiful out there. It is truly, truly beautiful, and it's in the middle of nowhere, nowhere land, Arizona. Uh, anyone who's local will know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, but it is, it is a stunning vista. I do believe is what we will call it. And he uh, apparently found a gold deposit out there, and then keeps that hush hush very secret. And then we jump a few years forward, and he goes to California in and around 1850. And we know this because his name appears on several California census records. He prospected out there. He worked as a miner. And then on July 19th, 1861, he becomes a naturalized citizen. Great. He goes to work for a guy uh, named Reuben Bl- uh, Blockney. And they were prospecting on the San Gabriel River. And then we lose time again and we lose track of Jacob. And then in eighteen sixty eight sorry doorbell. Eighteen sixty eight But it's magic. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I thought I turned it off. That's my bad.
2: Okay, but in, that was a what? perfect background noise <laughs> for that.
1: horrible i know i know but i feel so bad now okay um then in 1868 he goes to farm like he leaves prospecting almost completely according to some rumors and he starts farming on the north bank of the salt river which runs through phoenix arizona so he goes back to arizona and then he just Farms until he dies in 1891. Hmm. So we're missing details here. <laughs> I went looking because it's like there's so many possibilities. Records aren't great at the time. Things have been lost, destroyed, ruined. And I started going through. So here is his gravesite. As you can find, he was buried outside of Phoenix, Arizona. It's a very understated grave for a man who supposedly struck it rich.
0: Hmm. Yeah, that's a uh, basic
1: thing. Mm-hmm. Very basic. It's just dirt and sand and stone marker and not much else. But it you will note at the top it does say Lost to Dutchman. Hmm. So, yes. This is where this gets so interesting. So he's buried in the southwest corner of the Phoenix City Cemetery. You can still go and view his grave. Now, what started to come out after his death was that it wasn't just Jacob who found this mine and didn't tell anyone. It was him and a partner who was also named Jacob. So we have two, ja- we have Jacob one and Jacob two.
0: <laughs> Jacob squared.
1: Jacob squared. Jacob wiser they apparently discovered the mine and spent those missing years on and off excavating it for gold. So they would uh, leave the mine after excavating, bury their cash somewhere, come back when they thought the trail had gone cold for people and people were following them or hunting them. They were all suspicious and and panicked and worried about all of this. So the rumor started then that supposedly they hid one or more of their biggest caches of gold that they had excavated in the Superstition Mountains, close to the original vein that they'd found. Um, and then, this is where like all good treasure stories, this is where, supposedly, the curse begins. <laughs> <laughs> I to love this so much. Uh, his partner, Jacob Weiser, was killed by Apache Native Americans who lived in the area according to one story. According to another story, greed, like all good treasure stories, also a story of greed. Some people say that Jacob Waltz himself killed his partner. So he could take the gold just for himself, you know, like you do. Yeah. But it's never been found. And when Jacob died in 1891, he took the secret of his gold caches and the location of the gold mine to his grave and people have been hunting for the mine since 1892 (laughs) Hmm. they didn't even let the guy rot in the ground before they started looking for it so we will actually start with julia thomas so she was for a time when waltz was living in phoenix she was his landlady uh, she owned a bakery and also the land that Jacob Waltz was living on. And they were friendly. And supposedly one night he got a little drunk and decided to give her hints about the mine's location. When he <laughs> died, I know, when he died, she sold her bakery, got a group together, and of course, went a lookin'. Hilariously, and this might be my favorite part of this entire weird-ass saga, is that... On her way to try to find the lost Dutchman mine, she actually passed over two enormous gold mines that did exist.
2: Oh my god.
1: On her way to find something that didn't probably exist. <laughs> and I just read that and went, really? Really? It's so good. It's so good. <sighs> but in order to make this uh expedition work, which it didn't. She went broke and then started to sell maps that she claimed would lead people to the mine, which of course were fake.
2: <laughs> okay, but that's amazing.
1: <laughs> it's pretty freaking genius. She spent a few years looking for the mine. She was only in her early 30s when all this happened.
0: I just like how people like actually bought the maps because they're like, oh, oh, yeah. oh my God. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. Oh my god. You know, she clearly left some of it behind for
1: us. <laughs> Yeah, the yes, it's staggering to me what what greed and imagination do to people (laughs) and all common sense just yeeted out the window, just gone, just no more. All right. So and then just a few years later, by 1895, as she's selling her fake maps, suddenly the story hits the San Francisco Chronicle newspaper. And this is where we're going to have our first recorded death linked to this mine. Death, gold, fake maps, all of it. So we're going to meet a man named Adolf Ruth. It's an unfortunate (laughs) first name. Uh, In the early 1900s, of all things, he was an amateur prospector in that he never found gold, but he'd been seeking it for years. And he and his young son had already searched California's Borrego desert for gold. Didn't find anything. And in the process of that, he hurt his legs so severely that he developed a limp for the rest of his life. And then when his son, who grew up on his dad's tales of finding gold and adventure in the West, uh, went and took a job in Mexico... And then came back and told his dad that he'd found a map that might lead to an Arizona gold mine. I couldn't mm-hmm. find a link between this map and Julia Baker's fake maps. Or Julia Thomas's fake maps. It would be very funny if it was one of those.
0: <laughs> it made its way to Mexico.
1: <laughs> that would be, hey, you never know. Um, but couldn't find any link there. Um, so when he brought this map back to Adolf... Uh, Adolf, at 66 years old, went into the superstition mountains alone, over his son's objections. Idea. Yep, his family's objections, and then he disappeared. So, so now we get
0: ghosts, right? That's so the now we have story. ghosts.
1: Uh, yeah, that's part of the curse: is that the mountains are haunted by all of those who've perished trying to search for the gold mine, yes. the Lost Dutchman gold mine. So we can trace Adolf to uh, June 1931, and after he disappears, just after a day or so into his search, campers eventually find a note in a bottle floating down the Salt River, which was nearby, and the note says, "I'm sitting under a tree in a creek with a leg broke. I have to. I. I." I've got to have help. Gosh, that was hard. Quick finder of this note, please give to Howard Peterson. Ruth. Uh, He also parenthetically noted, P.S. have found the lost Dutchman. Yep. Dun dun dun. Yep. (laughs) So people searched for months. I mean, yeah, they were searching for him. They were probably trying to pick up his trail to go find the gold mine. Let's be realistic here. Why not both? <laughs> Why not both? I highly doubt it. I highly doubt it. Uh, so people searched for months, and then the Mesa Journal-Tribune newspaper reported uh, the discovery of this bottle on January 8, 1932, the title of the article being Find a Bottle Floating in Salt River Bearing Notes Signed by Missing Miner. have a couple quotes from the paper... <laughs> So it's Delbert Daly of Miami. Came from Miami fucking Florida. Look, Florida again. God damn it. Um, (laughs) Retrieved the bottle, but returned it to the river. Not connecting the (laughs) name with the lost prospector. This was two months ago. (laughs) Wow. I know. This is the weirdest ass story ever. Oh my god, he found the bottle, read the note, went, huh, put it back in the water, and then only told people two months later.
0: Oh my god. <laughs> oh, this guy might be dying up there, fuck it.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know! Dude, the dude probably died within the first week, let's be realistic. This is the Arizona desert, where the temperatures can span so widely, and it gets freezing cold at night, and if you're not prepared you will probably die out there of exposure so um the searchers eventually realized that ruth was probably dead they gave up hope and then the pa- the paper eventually speculated if the final word from ruth is authentic it tends to discount the theory that he was murdered for the map he possessed unable to proceed because of a broken leg he probably died of starvation near the spot where the bottle was set on its journey <laughs> it's so horrible
0: yeah, don't say. <laughs>
1: mm, my gosh, I know, I know. I, I, when I first read all of this, I was like, "Wow, people are terrible. This is horrific."
2: Yeah, this is so fucked up.
1: It's really fucked up, and at the same time, if you think about, well, we'll get to this in a in a moment. But it it is still baffling to me how easy it is, even in modern day, for people to disappear supposedly without a trace. But back then. <laughs> Just walk off the map. Apparently, <laughs> the Earth is flat, and you're just going to go right off the edge. So, I have some more weird ass stories um, that I'll I'll briefly sketch over a little bit. So, about a decade and a half after Adolf Ruth's disappearance, uh, we have someone named James Kidd. and on December 29th, 1949, he disappeared. Uh, this guy's story gets really bizarre. So he was born in New York in 1879, and he had a prospecting and mining partner named Walter Beach, and they worked together for more than 20 years. And then when Beach died in 1947, Kidd was left alone to travel and continue to work on his mining claims. Uh, And they decided that, or he decided that the last place he wanted to prospect was the eastern end of the Superstition Wilderness area, which of course borders the mountains. Um, When he disappeared, people started digging into his backstory a little bit. He had no living family that anyone could find, and he had a stupid sum of money that no one could kind of trace. Some people thought it was from investments but no one knew where he got the cash to invest in the first place. Um, He spent a lot of time out in the, at the Eastern edges of the superstition mountains and people speculated that maybe he did find lost treasure and he was making pickups from his stash as needed. And that's where the money came from. He was very secretive, very paranoid and standoffish. And then when he disappeared at the end of December in 1949, um, it wasn't reported quickly at all because no one noticed he was gone. So this gets mm. really sad. Uh, and you were talking about ghosts earlier. Kayla, you're gonna fucking love this. <laughs> yes. So several years after he disappeared, it was discovered that he had left over a half a million dollar fortune behind.
0: Like, is that mo- modern times half a million or no, then half a million? <laughs>
1: then half a million. It would be well over Jesus. a million and a half today. Yep. Wow. Yep. And as I said, no one knew where that money came from. They're like, he worked at dead-end jobs and he was constantly blowing money on mining claims. Where the hell did this come from? Um. So when he he leaves this uh, behind and he wills it uh, he willed that his entire estate would be awarded to anyone who could prove ghosts existed.
2: Hmm.
0: Oh my God,
1: yes.
2: <laughs> That's so good. <laughs>
1: He was an ardent believer in ghosts and the supernatural. Um, Some people have uh, speculated he was slain for his gold. There's another story that talks of a man who dropped him off in the mountains and continued to check on him each month until he perished and his cadaver was never found. Yes, yes. The whole perishing out in the mountains because he wanted to perish out where he loved it so much. It's a rumor. It's never been substantiated. But that story came up multiple times in my research. So it was an interesting little, like, diversion, like a side route to take. There were reports that he was dying of cancer and he would rather die out there than in a hospital. So There's all kinds of weird, bizarre stories. Um, so that's James Kidd in 1927 and ni- between 1927 and 1928, because uh, the Superstition Mountains are popular hiking spots. It's gorgeous, but it's very, very dangerous. And there were okay, mul- sorry, yes,
0: but wait, but did anyone actually able was able to claim his? No, nope. like it's never been nope. Claimed? Is it just gone to the default of the government now Probably, or something? Probably, yeah. Oh, anyway, sorry. I
1: know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know I know I went looking too I was like wait where did this go what happened (laughs) people made claims against it but then how do you how do you adjudicate that like
0: and who was the official that approves it
1: (laughs) I'm sure it's in a government black hole somewhere now probably used to you know pay off a business owner or something who knows um yeah it was just such a bizarre (laughs) so weird everything around this story is so so weird Oh, my gosh. The Um, money was probably used
2: to cover up ghosts.
1: (gasps) There's a (laughs) black site somewhere outside of Area 51.
0: (laughs) Donate to the Men in Black or something. There you go. (laughs) Used to found Area 51.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yep. So we've got this money from this guy who wanted to uh, give it to someone who could prove that ghosts exist, but we really need to cover, cover up Roswell, so hey, you know.
2: And we already know ghosts exist, so obviously it's ours.
0: <laughs> technically it belongs to us anyway.
1: <laughs> yes, technically it is ours. Um, there was a, a slew of people being hurt and even killed as they were hiking up the Superstition Mountains between 1927 and 1928 because somebody thought it would be fun to roll large boulders down from above.
0: Nice. Same yep. kids that were what fucking fuck? around at the uh, Moonville Tunnel.
1: Yep. Yep. That's what I wondered. It was probably their ancestors. <laughs> uh, <laughs> fuck those kids. Uh, so there's, there's that. So that has added to the curse Surrounding the mountains and the mine. In 19... uh, Oh, wait. Oh, yes. So, 1955 to 1978, multiple remains have been found out in the mountains. um, Particularly skulls with bullet holes in them.
0: Oh.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. On top of the fact that more than... uh, Skulls could be counted. There were cadavers that have been found without heads, and no one's been able to find their matching skulls. <laughs> so that's, that's fun. Uh, in 1952, a man named Joseph Kelly from Dayton, Ohio, decided to go out in search of the Lost Dutchman Mine. Never seen alive again. He was eventually found near what's known as Weaver's Needle. It's a landmark out there. He was found two years after he disappeared, and he'd been shot in the head. Ooh. There's some shit. So we have no on
0: idea who was, like <laughs> shooting people out there, right? No, it's so no. sure. It wasn't just like we sure it wasn't just like Adolf Ruth or whatever or the kid. <laughs> oh my
1: god! It, th- that is, I was like, oh my god, how many people have been shot? Then that's the thing. Some of the stories go nowhere. Some of them, it's like, oh yeah, we found this body out here, there's a skeleton, bleached bones, there's a bullet hole in his head. Oh, well, who is it? I don't know, this guy. And then they bury him and they move on. I'm like, oh my god, is no one looking? Really? Okay. So that happened. Um, in 1964, the remains of brothers Robert and Richard Kremis were discovered at the bottom of a high cliff, and it was hard to tell whether the ground crumbled beneath them or Or a boulder knocked them off and over the cliff. Um, It seems like they were pushed. Because anyone who went out to investigate concluded that it seemed a bit far-fetched that both men just happened to accidentally fall off a cliff in the same spot. And they were traveling and hunting for the mine together. And they were brothers. And then they're both dead. Mm. Mm. (laughs) Suspicions. I mean, and, maybe they
2: got into a fight over who would get more, and then they, and then they both grappled. fell off. Yeah. That
1: would be the only one that makes sense, because otherwise, it it just doesn't seem likely, unless someone came up behind. And, and with the number, this was during the time where all those bodies and skulls were found. Jesus. Eventually, they're going to figure out that there was a serial killer out there from, like, 1950 to 1980. <laughs> yes. Just picking people off left and right.
2: They're gonna oh find gosh. the Lost Dutchman mines and in the opening of the cave is gonna be this oh, wow. dead guy with a journal documenting how many people that he killed.
1: I am the zodiac. With a killer. pile of skulls. <laughs> like on with a throne a pile of, skulls. of skulls.
2: Yeah. Obviously.
1: <laughs> blood for the blood god <laughs> Yeah.
2: <laughs> I am I am the Lost Dutchman killer.
1: I am the Lost Dutchman. <laughs> <laughs> fear me <laughs> yeah, oh my god i can only laugh through this because it's just so bonkers the whole thing
0: tragic <laughs> it's yeah
1: awful it really blo- it reminds me so much of people looking for adventure and treasure and fame and glory like they do on mount everest only to die halfway up and we don't have any idea how many people have died because they're frozen. They're in the permafrost. Yeah. And you can't carry the bodies back down or you'll die too. So people just get left up there. I guess this
0: is an advantage of global warming.
1: Oh!
2: Uh, <laughs> aside, aside
1: from the the stuff that's coming, the microbes that are coming alive in the Arctic permafrost. <laughs> yeah. If that doesn't get us the fucking... Walking Dead of Mount Everest are going to eat all of us for leaving them there. (laughs) Oh my God. I'll do Mount Everest at some point because that one, that is wild too. Definitely. Yeah. Um, So, 1970, there was a longtime prospector named Al Morrow who uh, was crushed by a boulder that fell on him when he was excavating a tunnel. That's a nasty way to go.
0: Yeah. This is all.
1: Built into this curse story, that's around the hunt for the treasure and the mine and the mountains. Um, there's a lot of people who believe that you know there's this curse overlaying the land, um, and then it. There were there have been other people. There were two boys, boys, young adults from California who vanished out there. Their bodies were never found. This was all happening in the mid 1900s, um, and then. Unfortunately, it's also happened very, very recently. So to give you an idea of how big of an area we're talking about, the Superstition Mountains stretch across 160,000 acres of desert. And there's canyons, there's cliffs, there's all of these nooks and crannies and crevices, and some people are still out there looking. So I found a few articles about a man named Wayne Tuttle, and he's been looking for the Lost Dutchman mine for over 40 years. By his estimate, I don't know what yardstick he's using, but by his (laughs) estimate, he says the mine could be worth over $200 million in today's money. I hope you find it, buddy. I don't think you will. Uh, There's a a good quote from him, Um, says, I've been in areas where it's said that there would be no possible sign of gold. I found mines that have been worked out and found ore samples that still hold traces of gold in them. The big prize, I think, for everybody would still be not even not even finding the mine. There is a stash of gold buried somewhere in a little pit in the ground near Jacob Waltz's camp. And who knows what that could be worth? Two, three million dollars just sitting there under our feet. Every time I'm in specific areas, I wonder if I've walked over a spot. He's obsessed. <laughs> He's obsessed. Forty years. Forty. It's good years. to have a hobby. Okay. Oh my god.
2: <sighs> yeah, that's um, a lot.
1: It's a yeah, that's a lot. I am going to also give you all a picture of Adolf Ruth's skull. I forgot to give you that. There's the hole in the in his skull.
2: Jesus. Nice.
1: Yep. That's fun that's a that's either a rock or a weapon
0: yeah, of yeah it's a- some kind
1: yeah that's a hammer or a boulder or it is not a gunshot blast that is nasty unless it was a no. shotgun but yeah um so with people like wayne tuttle out there who are still looking this only gives people this idea like oh i'm going to go out there and find it so in 2013 Very recently, the remains of a man named Jesse Capon, who went missing near the mountains in late winter 2009, were finally discovered. His body was out there for four years before they found him. Um, And he had spent from uh, 1999 to 2009 looking for the Lost Dutchman mine. When he disappeared, he was 35 years old, and he was a graveyard shift bellhop at the uh, Sheraton Denver Downtown Hotel, and he was absolutely obsessed. So he decided to take some time off work in late November 2009, drive to Arizona, begin his search, never returned. And he was eventually found 60 miles east of Phoenix on what is known as Tortilla Mountain which is part of the Superstition Mountains. Mm, Tortilla. Um, (laughs) Superstition Mountains and then Tortilla. And I was like, who named this shit? Because one is great. (laughs) The other one is not a good mountain name. (laughs) (laughs) At all. Uh, So he was missing for two years, and then by the end of 2011, searchers who were still looking, still going after him, mostly buoyed by his parents, hikers eventually find a note in a metal can atop the peak that said Jesse Capon was here December 4th, 2009. So he'd been out there for at least a week, Uh, alive, seemingly well Hmm. enough to leave that note. Way at the top of this mountain. Um, but then the trail goes cold, and then about a year later, in November 2012, the hikers find a day pack that had his GPS equipment, his mother's camera, and his identification. But this was found at the bottom of a 180 foot cliff of that same Tortilla Mountain. And then as they're searching, they find a boot in steeper terrain above the day pack, almost like he'd slid down the cliff. Got his boot caught and then tumbled. They sent helicopters out. They they had deputies rappel down and they eventually find a skeleton, which had to be pulled back up the cliff in a wire basket. And his mother knew right away that it was him um, because Jesse was a big guy. He was almost six and a half feet tall. And his parents actually, when they viewed the skeleton, they recognized the teeth that they had paid dentists to prepare to repair. And the boots and the clothing matched as well. And that eventually coroners were able to use DNA, which was extracted from bone marrow, to make a match. Um, There was no sign that Jesse had been shot. And his mom believes that her son was caught too far from camp and couldn't make it back. And he was too excited. He slipped and fell down the ledge and perished. So that is the most recent death connected to the lost Dutchman mine in the superstition mountains. That was a real fucking bummer y'all, because mm-hmm. <laughs> people are still looking for this place. It's claimed so many lives and it's spawned tons of rumors and research and tall tales. And yet we still can't prove whether Jacob Waltz actually found a gold mine or did a story about a really small find of gold get like caught into people's heads and it drove them mad with thoughts of treasure So my recommendation to you, dear listener, was maybe don't go looking for lost treasure ever, but particularly in a place called the Superstition Mountains, because (laughs) whether it be boulders or bandits or cliffs or the weather or a curse, no gold is worth the risk sliding down a cliff and ending up dying alone. That seems like a bad way to go.
2: And if you do decide that you need need to do this, absolutely. Bring your friends. Don't go alone.
1: yeah, don't, don't go, go alone. alone. Maybe just... Or, you know, don't.
2: <laughs> yeah, right? Fuck.
1: Not everything in the world has to be found.
2: Okay, that's what you say.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's what I firmly believe because I have a survival instinct. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, The Lost Dutchman Mine. All right. Yeah.
2: Okay, but let's be honest. If if we found that, I would be the first to go inside. Would... And you would be the first to die. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure, absolutely. That, but that's just Nathan me. likes like... to
0: explore abandoned places because this he's got a death wish.
1: Seems hey. like a bad idea.
2: Abandoned places are neat.
1: Um, I have a place for you here in southeastern Ohio that used to be an, uh, an insane asylum. Ooh. It's connected to the Ohio University campus. You can't go there without getting arrested.
2: Oh.
1: <laughs> so many people have fallen and hurt themselves. <sighs> uh, I'll find a picture of it just to show you how. A friend of mine went out there and tried to sneak past the cops and I was like, did you get caught? And she goes, no, but I also have two kids and I don't want to get arrested. <laughs> and that's this week. Next week we'll be
0: back with the myth of the internet legend the final fantasy seven house if you've been enjoying us this far like subscribe and drop us a review on itunes to help spread the good word if not message us on twitter or facebook at the human exception or email us at the at gmail.com you can also do that if you have stories to share topics you want us to cover or if you just want to say hi as always you can find all the pictures links and additional information about the topics we cover on our website the we'll talk to you next week exceptional humans
2: God damn it, Craig!
1: Craig
0: already died.
2: Yeah, Craig,
1: I think Craig is just—I think he's busted.
0: Mm-hmm. Twenty
1: twenty killed him. Twenty twenty. I. You know what? I can't argue with that. <laughs>